0: Hello and welcome to the University Guy podcast. A podcast that looks at the world of international university admissions and advising. I'm David Hawkins. In this episode, I'm looking at the profession of international school college counselling and exploring the journey of two friends of mine who made the step from UK teacher into international advising. It's a journey I know only too well. Having moved into this world from my former life as a history teacher, when I moved to become the Head of College and Careers Counselling at the International School of Brussels in 2014, before returning to the UK a few years afterwards. As a Brit, with my education having taken place solely in the UK, it was only when I was welcomed into the international school counselling community in the UK – shout out to Joan Lu, John Riley, Anna Wright and Christian Driesen for that – that I learned that helping students applying to university was something you could do full-time as a profession. Attending my first International ACAC, or as it was then, OACAC conference at Barist College in New York, I then realised it was a job that could take you anywhere in the world. I owe my current career to those moments of realisation, and I hope that my two interviews here might help anyone else thinking of making this move to look into it more deeply. So I'm really delighted to be talking to someone who's right at the very start of the step into international school college counselling. Claire, thank you so much for joining me.
1: You're welcome. It's good to be with you.
0: Fantastic. So Claire, do you mind just giving me a sort of brief overview of where you are now and also where you were not too long ago?
1: Okay. So I'm now teaching in an international school um, in Rayon, uh, which is called St. Andrew's International Green Valley. Um, and it's a small school of 450 students, um, and an IB school. Um, but I've come, I've been out here since August, and prior to that, I spent 10 years teaching at Habs Girls, so Haberdashers' School for Girls in Elstree in Northwest London. So it's been a really, really big change.
0: Great. And when you were at, at Habs, you were doing a little bit of sort of international university advising, but now out in Thailand, your your job has quite a lot more of that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, I was um, I was part of a careers team, quite a big careers team at Habs, and I was responsible for the international um, the international side of it. So we had on our team we had someone who supervised Oxbridge, someone who supervised UCAS, um, and I did any students that were applying overseas. But our numbers were relatively low because most of our students stayed uh, in the UK. Whereas here uh, I've got larger numbers applying, and they're literally applying everywhere. So I have students who are Korean, they'll be making applications to Korea but also to the US. I have a load of students that are applying to the UK, some that are applying to the Netherlands, uh, some that are applying to Australia. So it's a, it's a much broader role, um, even though it's a small school, there, there's a, a lot more diversity of applications.
0: Great. And I remember chatting to you probably 18 months or so ago at, at the school in North London at Habs Um and you were kind of thinking about this, so I guess the first Question is, what was that motivation? Why did you decide to become a college counselor in an international school?
1: Um, I guess partly it was partly led by by personal reasons that, in terms of uh, family quality of life, that we wanted to uh, move abroad and experience um, something different before our, our children grew up and flew the nest. Uh, but also from a career point of view, I was really enjoying doing international um, applications at Habs, but were limited with the locations that students were applying to and the numbers of students that were applying. So largely, I had students applying to the U.S. and to Canada, and I feel like I really, really grew my knowledge in that area and 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 did as much as I could to develop um, in that area. And and I suppose the next step career-wise was to learn how to do it in an international setting where you were not only sending them back to the UK, which is a completely different experience you UCAS than yep. doing it from the UK, um, but also learning uh, how to deal with a number of different systems, uh, a number of different application systems, and just students with very different uh, international backgrounds.
0: Great, so, so once you'd made that decision that you, okay, you and the family were gonna look overseas, how did you go about finding a job?
1: Um, well, we, we had done it, in the past, it wasn't um, a brand new thing. When I was pre-children in my twenties, I taught in Istanbul for three years and I taught out in Southeast Asia for a couple of years as well. So um, I had, gone home thinking I would probably stay home for four or five years and then go off again and then 17 years later with a mortgage and 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 children and family responsibilities, I found myself in the UK so it's always been at the back of my mind that I was going to go off again Um, and I suppose the real challenge in looking is that if you're with a partner is you're looking for two jobs and you're looking for that compatibility for both of you career-wise and so that that can control where you're looking and and what comes up we started looking by region really of where where in the world we wanted to be um, and then um, TES jobs started looking at what roles were coming up um, and trying to find trying to find um, jobs that would be you know compatible for Paul um, with his with his his particular sort of speciality and for me as well looking at careers um, and so yeah started shortlisting that way right. and really be- began looking just before uh, just before Christmas I suppose we were looking October November we started looking yeah
0: uh, and because you had that expertise in the international applications did that kind of widen the, the list of places you could look at
1: oh definitely definitely I think there's a real uh, particularly for coming out from the UK um, and you've got a good experience of, of the UK system and and you've got experience of international um, applications too. I think um, I think you're quite in demand. I think it's a, a, a sort of skill set that people are really looking for. Yeah,
0: cause my impression over the last couple of years, and indeed when I was was doing a similar kind of job to you're doing now, is that there is significant need for people who you know have UCAS as the kind of the, their strength area, particularly you know, people like you and I who've you know eat, slept, breathed UCAS applications but who can do U.S. and Canada and then have the ability to pick up other things? In the sort of networks that you're part of out in Thailand, do you find that more and more Brits are being involved in this area?
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think there's um, definitely sort of respect on the part of parents that, um, you know, parents like. In the same way, people quite like if they're they're sending students to America and you're organizing a presentation, they like to hear an American (laughs) uh, voice at the front presenting. You know, they, they really like that that um, it's it's someone from the UK advising on UK universities they like the fact that you've got that breadth of knowledge and from a an employer point of view they were they were really really pleased that I um, I came to the school understanding not only the UK system really well but the the US system the Canadian system and had some experience with Europe as well that was really important
0: great so uh, you have know, jumped out of the, the butcher system you know full-on life in a, in a school like Habs Girls um, balancing the teaching the university advising, all the other things, tutoring and extracurriculars and stuff, and now you're in a a school where you've got a different balance of responsibilities. What are those main differences between your old job and the new one?
1: There are not. I suppose there, there isn't a, a dramatic change in terms of in terms of balance'm still um, I still uh, teach some geography. I don't really want to to give that up but that's a choice I, I really really love my subject too um, and I still do the same I still do the same role in counseling wherever you do it. it is the same thing that you're sitting with students and trying to work through their needs. Um, I suppose the difference is that uh, there are, you know, smaller, small it's a smaller cohort, smaller class sizes, um, and therefore I suppose the quality of time that you have in order to do it is more. Um, and I, th- I think there's a, a real, a real need for it and a real appreciation of what you're bringing um, with your, with your specialism here. Um, I think you're. It's, it's, in, in, in the UK there's lots of lots of people doing careers not necessarily international careers counseling but there are lots of careers advisors um, whereas here there aren't so many available and, and to be a good one I think is a really respected thing so that feels quite different
0: great I mean I, I would sort of reflect back on my journey leaving the UK and going internationally I suddenly felt rather than doing lots of jobs okay-ish I was suddenly doing one job and could focus on it and actually get better at it and I think the model in, in lots of UK schools is that university advising is a tag on to many other things you, you do and it was an eye opener to me to realise that actually this is a profession that, that lots of people do, um, there are qualifications for it um, and actually plenty of schools will employ someone if, if, if not more than one person and their only job is university advising.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, the other thing that's amazing out here is, has been the, the professional development and the networking opportunities um, that I didn't really expect to exist on this scale. I mean, I've just been out to Hong Kong. Um, five days, and and I was with a team of um, other careers advisors from all different countries. I was the only one from Thailand. There were people from India, from Taiwan, from the Philippines, from Indonesia, and it was amazing to sit and talk about their experience within their schools and to hear about their quali- you know their qualifications and their journeys to get there. And everyone's got a completely different journey to get there. But there are you know there's there's so many people doing it, and it's it's very well respected and it's very well invested in. And um, there's some amazing professional development opportunities uh, with you know once once you are overseas
0: great so, so last question and you hinted at this in, in the start that there was a big kind of personal motivation for for lifestyle reasons you know how different is your lifestyle um, living in, in rural Thailand compared to living in North London I'm, I'm leaving the question there but but give us the honest truth.
1: Well, no, it's it's very different. It's it's about as different as it gets. And I don't want um I don't want this to be you know in any way critical of, of colleagues that are still doing the same thing um, back at Habs, you know, because um, it's a great place and and I had a very good time there as well. But definitely, um, I mean, I I, I leave school. It's amazing weather. I I have a I have a pool. We have a a wonderful house. Uh, my, my children are um, enjoying summertime right now, when I know you guys have um, very cold weather on you. And um, and it's it's really good, a good place to be. I'm driving home. I'm seeing mangoes and breadfruit and pineapples growing on the trees. Um, and it's just good. It's it's great to suddenly be able to combine, you know, my working life with um, with really having an adventure. And I I do feel like it's an adventure. You know, every weekend's different, and we're seeing a lot. and and connecting much more as a family. So I think it's been a really fantastic move for us.
0: Great, fantastic. Well, it's glad to hear things are going so well. You one and a bit terms in Claire. I hope the rest of the year continues to go so, so well for you.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Claire's insight here is great. And to hear how quickly one can step into this world is really exciting. My second interviewee is further down this path and is about to head to his third international school on a third continent as a college counselor. So my next guest is probably an exemplar of people who decide to step into this world and end up doing these sorts of extraordinary, international, amazing adventures. Um, I first met Francis MacIver a number of years ago at a conference in Durham, um, where he seemed very settled and was was working at, a, at an English school and everything was going to happen. And then the next thing I knew, he was in Jakarta. So so I'm now speaking to Francis, who is in Florence. Francis, thanks so much for your time. Uh, that's great. Uh, thanks for talking to me. Fantastic. So, so Francis, you have made this journey then from the UK um, in the sort of job that I think a lot of people do, and and, and I certainly used to do, of of dabbling in university advising whilst doing many other things, Mm -hmm. and and now are an international school college counsellor. Why did you decide to make that leap?
2: Okay. well, I had been at Norwich School for 27 years, I think, and... In my last year, I was Oxbridge coordinator and American University coordinator. I had about 45 students. I was teaching 24 periods a week. I was coaching rowing. I was directing the school musical and running the school prefects. And I really enjoyed um, doing the university stuff. And I was looking for a job where I could not be completely overworked as I was (laughs) in in Norwich. Um, So, yeah, and it just... Happened that the Jakarta job turned up and they were looking for somebody with the Oxbridge experience, and so that was my entree into the international world.
0: Great! So, in terms of then the steps that you took from once hearing about that Jakarta opportunity, and if someone is listening thinking, I yeah, that sounds great, but what do I do? What advice would you give? Okay, well, I mean, I for me
2: it was just real luck. Um, I saw an advertisement in the TES. And not many schools, international schools, do advertise in the TES, and I applied for it. Um, Getting my subsequent jobs, I um, signed up with CIS and with Search Associates, which is a much more efficient and uh, focused way of getting an international job, I
0: think. Great. And so that process of getting you from East Anglia to Indonesia, was that quite smooth and straightforward? What was that kind of transition like? Oh, um, it was it was actually very actually the actual move was very easy
2: because most international schools do everything for you they take they take it in hand and so they've got me my visa they shipped my stuff for me um, they've booked my flights for me and they picked me up at the airport and took me to a party which was really nice <laughs> <Fantastic>. <laughs> where all the where all the other new teachers were arriving at the same time correct. So, in fact, moving from the UK to uh, a job abroad is very easy because most international schools will do that for you. At least most international schools outside Europe, it's probably a little... um, The the European ones are less um, focused on um, the expat teachers, the overseas hires, than the ones in, say, Jakarta or Africa.
0: Right. So you find yourself then sitting in Jakarta, you know, a couple of weeks in, you're, you're no longer teaching classics you're, or, you know, trying to you know, teach, coach some rowing or, or run the school prefects. You know, for, for someone who's, you know, has never come across an international school college counsellor, um, you know, what is that transition like? What is the the key difference between the job in the UK and then the job actually day to day in an in in international school? Well, I didn't have a driver in the UK, I suppose. That's <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: well, So I stopped um, most classroom contact with kids. Uh, But, you know, as a college counsellor, you arrive right at uh, um, the beginning of the university season. So I found myself, um, uh, you know, seeing a a new kid every half hour with their parents. Um, So I was in my office um, with huge lots of people coming to see me and trying to get used to – not just dealing with um, the u k and a little bit of America, but you know people going to Australia, people going to Hong Kong, people going to the Netherlands so it was um, it was a very steep learning learning curve because I had to get um, uh, I had to become familiar with that very quickly, um, but you know that was there were other people around who I could ask questions from of so that that wasn 't too difficult but yes, basically, you stop. You stop doing all the other stuff and you concentrate on college counselling, which was uh, in a way a great relief because um, I was feeling a little bit stretched in the in the UK system.
0: Great. And now I've you know been doing this for a number of years and, you know, I'm trying to think which year it would have been. But I remember standing at the top of a massive football stadium in Eugene, Oregon, with you having a chat yes. about this. And then we've drunk um, whiskey <laughs> in a bar in Sewanee in Tennessee and, and talked about this and, you know, I'm aware that you have kind of thrown yourself into this community um, in quite an interesting interesting way, as well as sort of networking and things like CIS and International ACAC, but also you've done some professional qualifications in this area. Um, I I wonder what that journey's been like for you. Um, That's really
2: interesting. I did the um, UCLA certificate in college counselling and then the Lehigh um, Masters in counselling. And they have been really important in moving my career on. So getting a job in a British school in Jakarta who were looking for an Oxbridge specialist was one thing. Moving to a school where I am now, where I am the comprehensive counsellor is another thing. And moving to an American school that um, really was looking for somebody with a master's in counselling was another. So I think it was quite important for me to do those qualifications in order to progress. I think yeah and uh, they were very enjoyable the uh, UCLA one you do entirely online Um, the Lehigh one involves spending some time in Athens and some time in Pennsylvania and also the other thing is it's another way of meeting lots of different counselors from all over the world that's one of the nice things about being an international college counselor as opposed to being an international teacher is that you know so many people because you go to so many conferences, fly-ins and, and things like the UCLA certificate and um, the Lehigh Masters. So, yeah, it's a great way of not just um, going to a new country, but you you get to visit lots of other places as well. So I've been on lots of fly-ins to America, to the Netherlands um, and, and other places.
0: Yeah, it always seemed to me, about this time last year, every single week you were in another country. It was was France's globe-trotting adventures. That, that, yes, I don't think that's strictly true, but I did do quite well last year, it must be said. (laughs) Fantastic. And then, then, um, you know, big news, which I think, yeah, for for those of us who see you as a classicist in in the absolute place in Florence, that you're off to Mozambique as as of August.
2: I am indeed, yes. Um, The American International School of Mozambique in Maputo, um, which... um, a lot of people are wondering why i'm doing such a thing well it's a really interesting school in a really interesting place and what's particularly interesting about it is that it's a real international school a lot of international schools now are just catering for people in the home co- in the country who want an education in english this one is um, in Maputo is catering for people from the embassies the NGOs, the oil industry and so on so it's got people from all around the world applying to universities all around the world so it's going to be really interesting um, and also it's a beautiful country with lovely beaches and um, safaris and, um, and um, I think it's um, interesting because I, I always thought okay i'm going to go to italy because that's where i've always wanted to live but actually i discovered that what i really want to do is to go around the world doing college counseling um so that's 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 what i'm doing
0: there we go and, and you i'm sure you won't mind me saying francis but you, you mentioned how long you've been at norwich school and and you know some of our mutual friends in here w- will know that actually you taught my um some of my 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 cousins i did um, yes. and so- have been and so you um, find the nicest way of phrasing this 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 was a move you've decided to take you know probably towards the latter part of your career um and it's given you sort of opportunities Uh, to do things that um you know it's it's not not necessarily something that you do when you're 21 straight out of, of teacher training college that anyone can find these opportunities
2: yeah absolutely i mean if i
0: hadn't moved i would
2: probably be retiring this year but now i see myself uh sort of going on for years because i'm doing something different something interesting um, uh, I stayed at Norwich School for 27 years mainly because they kept giving me new and interesting things to do and I got to the point where there was nothing else I wanted to do so I thought I might as well try but as I say, if I had not gone to Jakarta I would probably be in my last five months whereas now I'm going off to Africa for a few years to and I don't feel at all uh, jaded I, I feel quite excited and um Uh, by the whole thing.
0: Great stuff. So for anyone who's listening who's who's, had that experience, as it's quite easy in a nice boarding school to to spend spend time there and find things and your expertise at UCAS, that there is huge demand for people with that level of experience at schools around the world and it's a really Mm. nice entree into this world.
2: Yeah. And in fact, um, I moved to Jakarta because they were looking for somebody with the Oxford UCAS. I moved back to Italy because they were looking for somebody who'd also got more American experience and I've got the job in Mozambique because I've got European American Canadian uh, so I'm building
0: up my experience as I go along opens up um, opens things up for you fantastic and everyone's waiting in three years time for you to announce you off to Quito or somewhere <laughs> yeah well we'll see
2: fantastic. I don't don't I don't foresee, I don't foresee myself uh, South America I haven't done yet so it's t- I need to think about that
0: absolutely. Francis thank you so much for your insight and your time today and I think that the story that you tell is an inspiration to other people that um, it's never too late to pursue these opportunities. I should say I'm quite jealous of the idea of being in Maputo. Great well thank you for talking to me David it's been a pleasure. My thanks to Francis and to Claire for their time and experience and hopefully there are some tips and inspiration there to anyone seeking to make this move or indeed who simply didn't know that this profession is out there. There are some more exciting University Guy episodes to come, so please do subscribe, follow and review the podcast wherever you found this episode. Thanks for listening.